Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie. I'm Nora Jermaine. I'm a drummer. I'm a violinist. And we are both now podcasters and you're going to hear us chat to many different people but more often than not it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world and you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com on iTunes on Stitcher Radio on Audioboom anywhere you get them podcasts so please rate review subscribe tell a friend tell an enemy tell your in-laws tell your outlaws tell them all about the podcast but for now enjoy the show what is that you're humming nothing you sure yeah just making it up just making it up improvising nora how are we nora germain of course joins me right now nora how are you how are you i'm good on the podcast today, we've got unbelievable harp player, Erin Hill. Not only is she a great musician, she's an actress, she's a thinker, she's a sci-fi fan. And within that vein, Nora, you're big into space. You're big I into- love sci-fi also. Have you seen Galaxy Quest? I have not. Galaxy Quest, for anybody who's listening, is the greatest movie of possibly all time. Better than Jurassic Part 2. Maybe. Why have we watched this film? Sell it to us, Nora. Galaxy Quest? Yes. Well, first off, it's got Alan Rickman, which is amazing. And it's really funny, and it's sci-fi, and it's Tim Allen, and all these amazing, hilarious people. Uh, And if you like aliens, and you like to laugh, and you like good sci-fi stories, this one is really, it tops the charts for me. So, okay. I like space. Yes, keep going. So you like space. So what we're going to do today is we're going to cut to the interview very soon with Ern. But to give you guys a cliffhanger that are listening in, we I've been inundated with emails of requests for Nora to play stuff on violin. We're going to get to all that shit in a little bit. And we're also going to talk about the future plans for NASA. Oh, great. We're going to talk about the future plans. We're going to talk about what we think NASA should be doing because obviously the guy's listening. Nora's going to give her thoughts and feelings and the, the whole thing of, of NASA's plans in the future, we all know they, they very much centre around Mars. That's the next big thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. It's not just a music podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're not just limited to that great art form. We're talking, it's not just limited to this planet. We think big, right? And there's nothing uh-huh. bigger than the universe apart from the, the, the thing that's the bigger than that. So that's coming up. That's the cliffhanger. Nora plays shit on the violin and we talk about Mars, right? But for now... Great. The awesome musician, the awesome actress, the really nice and cool person that plays the harp extremely well. Ern Hill, right now. Nora's still clapping. Sorry. Very nice. Standing ovation there for Ern. Yeah. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast, and joining me now is the multi-talented Ern Hill. Ern, how are you? 
I'm pretty good. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> good stuff. Where do we start? What I mean, the amount of things that you do very, very well, right? Actress, harp player, pop star, extraordinaire. <laughs> so um, what, what came first, right? Was it music or was it the acting? What came first in that? Well, uh, there's some photos of me practically before I could walk playing on a little Schroeder type piano and singing. So uh, I guess the music probably came first. <laughs> yeah. Right. So excellent. So at what, at what point was it, it? I don't think it was the heart first, was it? You played. Uh, no, I, yeah, piano I started. First. Yeah, I started on piano, and uh, then when I was eight years old, I went to my piano teacher's house, and there was a harp there in the living room, and I thought it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, just magical, and I went over to it and said, Mommy, Mommy, please, can I have one? <laughs> and she said, well, let's start you with lessons, and then that was that. I just fell in love with it. It still feels like that. It's still the most beautiful, magical thing. Excellent. Now, what um, do you write on different instruments? Is it predominantly the harp? What, what instruments do you write your songs on? Oh, good question. Yeah, I do write on the harp now. Yeah, I, I also play guitar. And uh, so for a while, you know, I, I was writing songs on the guitar. And then I, I remember the first song I wrote on the harp. And I played it live in a set. And uh, I had a good friend come up and say, Aaron, you should be doing all your songs on the harp. I've never seen anything like that. And I was like, oh, you're right. So I, I kind of switched over and started doing it all on the harp. Now, you've performed with so many different people, right? So I've got a, a, <laughs> in a minute, I'm going to throw some names at you and get your reaction as to how you came about <laughs> to perform with them. So how, how did... Um, I mean, you kind of did you work as a session player? Did that happen by accident? Was that a conscious thing to play with many different people? How did that come about? Well, I love playing sessions and doing session work. Uh, I haven't done that much of it with the big names. Most of my work with the big names has been for live performances. Mm -hmm. um, I guess a session, you know, I played with Martha Wainwright on her album, and I played live. Uh, with her and uh, I played on Jules most recent Christmas album um, but then yeah the uh, other performance it's mostly live and <laughs> I always joke that my method of finding work is well I know you can't see me but uh, imagine uh, uh, imagine me picking up a phone and saying hello <laughs> so yeah people would just call me and ask me to do a gig and I'd say yeah that sounds great Right. So was that a reputation of you playing live? Was, sorry, was that through a reputation of you playing live or was it online, a bit of both? You know, I, I don't really, I guess the word kind of got around and I got recommended for things. I, I think probably that's how it happened. Right. I'm going to throw a name at you and I want your reaction. And how, because it just, it's really interesting. Okay. This, if you go to Ern's website, which of course is ernhill.com, um, you can find out all this for yourself. But one name that's kind of standing out in the list of names, Kanye West. I, I knew I was, uh, you were going to get me in trouble here with that question. Um, <laughs> let me just say that I played with him for three years for all sorts of things from Live Earth, uh, MTV, uh, the BET specials, all sorts of stadium gigs, etc. And he never once said one word to me in those three years. Oh, and I, this, is, this is a good story, this. Yeah. So I think that's that's about all I can say, you know. 
<laughs> so so did he did he ever look in your direction? Was there ever that moment, right, of like so I'm assuming you've rehearsed with him. Did you rehearse with him for all that time? Uh, he didn't really rehearse much, but live he would come over on stage and like, you know, come over to the harp and jam and look at so there was all sorts of stuff going on on stage. But never, yeah, off stage. So I'm gonna stay on this topic because I'm interested here. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Get me in worse trouble. Don't worry, we can edit we can edit this bit out. Um <laughs> or, or we can put it all together and tweet it to him. Um oh, I'm, I'm joking. Right, so he, he um he's over, he's kinda rocking out for lack of a better term. He's interacting with you on stage, but he's never spoken a word to you. Yeah, true, over the three years. And of course, yeah, I and I ran into him one time later when I was rehearsing uh for something else at the rehearsal studio. Um I don't think he recognized me. I don't know, though. He was in your band for three years. Well, well. So you were in his band for three years, excuse me. Wow. That's that's interesting. So I was going to say, what's what's can you like? But you were in his band for three years, but you don't really know. I'm not really qualified to answer that. That's that's, very, very interesting. But in in his defense, um, I was fortunate enough to speak to uh, are you? I don't know how familiar you guys are with Jules Holland over there. Oh uh, yeah, Jules Holland, he's great. Yeah, um, I was fortunate enough to speak to his to his drummer. He's been on the podcast, and there's various different people that he's drummed with that he didn't really speak to because it's just a lot of it's TV shows, a lot of it's just yeah. you're up there, and, and and some of these acts, much like Kanye West, weren't mm-hmm. in the rehearsal. So maybe in Kanye's defense. It's perhaps more common than what people think. Let's just say that as a nice little... Yes, perhaps, perhaps it is. Right. Now we won't get sued and we can move on. Great stuff. <laughs> right. right. I'm going to throw out another couple of names here because it's very, very interesting, um, mm-hmm. especially when you said that you haven't done that many sessions, but there's so many people that you played with. Sinead yeah. O'Connor. Um, I, I, loved, I loved Sinead so much. I have nothing but the most fantastic, wonderful things to say about her. She's a true artist. She is a, 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 a sweet and wonderful person, and I hope that I get to perform with her again someday. Amazing. So was that a live thing? Was that a studio thing? Yes. Yeah, that was a live uh, live performance at Lincoln Center. We were actually, uh, let's see, we were doing a tribute. Um, yeah, we were doing a tribute show. Wow, good stuff. I've always heard good things about Sinead, so... That's great stuff. I'm gonna gonna move on. I'm interested here. This is getting good. Mm-hmm. Moby. <laughs> oh yeah, Moby's awesome. He's just he's just a wonderful guy, too. So and so you know, super talented in a, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, so yeah, that was great to get to to get to know him and jam with him. Mm-hmm. And there's there's been so many more. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> what an experience getting to play with all these different artists. And I've got to yeah. ask you. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've never got a chance to play it. It's on my bucket list. The Royal Albert Hall. You got a chance to play oh, it. What yes. was that like? I'll tell you what. <laughs> it was such a thrill. I was touring with. This was in 2008, and I was touring with Aha, and uh, we played in Europe, and then we came back and uh, uh, ended the tour in London, and I opened for them, and uh, and then I was also playing with uh, uh, Savoy. Um, and I got to play by myself, just me and the harp, spotlight on me to open for them and sold out Royal Albert Hall. 
It was such a thrill. After that happened, I, I said, I hope something as exciting as this happens to me again at some point in my life, because up to now, this is it. This is the top. <laughs> and if, if you know what, if you, you, I reckon, I'm in no position to tell you what to do. I reckon you should have retired the next day. <laughs> you have a point. <laughs> I, if I ever get to do, I doubt I will. If I ever play the Royal Albert Hall, that would be the last gig that I've ever done. Because at the end of the day, you're right. It must have felt like you've, you were there. You've made it. It's the Royal Albert Hall. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I One of the songs that I did when I opened, I did my cover of David Bowie's Space Oddity. And I can't tell you the feeling to have a sold-out Royal Albert Hall when it gets to the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, to clap-clap, the every person in in raw every person clapped along just to wow. hear that and that feeling oh wow right you were on stage on stage at the royal albert hall that was a great feeling give me and it must be in like a, a pinch yourself moment as they say now give mm -hmm. me another two or three examples of a time in your career where it's been like that like oh my god i can't believe i'm doing this <laughs> well uh you know you mentioned i'm, I'm also an actor so it was really a thrill to do my Broadway debut. <laughs> so being on Broadway was really, really something. And I remember when um, Titanic is the Broadway musical that I made my debut in, and I played Kate Mullins, Irish immigrant, coming over to America. And uh, I remember being on stage opening night and having... Uh, my my dad out in the audience and I just I thought this you know again again this is this is it what a moment it was just a thrill through my whole body and uh, at the end of the show I don't know if you're familiar with Titanic the musical at all but uh, my character you know I'm in third class steerage and actually uh, I campaigned for my character to die and I got my wish so I died every night in the show. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the show, they have the survivors out front, and then the curtain comes up, and you see a tableau of all of the characters who have died, who are, by the way, all real people who were on Titanic, uh, in their you know tableau of their positions at the beginning when it, they were getting on board and everything is wonderful and they're so happy. And I remember being in that tableau when the curtain came up their opening night and, you know, my dad out in the audience and everything and just, it was so hard, you know, tears, tears were just, I had a big smile on my face, but tears were just running down my face. And you're getting ever so slightly emotional describing it and looking back on it, I think, which is just really... Um... <laughs> it's certainly significant for, for, for reflecting back in that moment anyway. Um, yeah. So there's been so so much that you've done. And I emailed you about this about a week or two ago. Um, <laughs> you, that I was in stitches laughing at your, um, oh. the, the dinner table scene on YouTube. What, what was that again? I've, I've lost. lost Thank the... you. That's a Star Trek blind date. Yes, yes. The Star Trek. It was so, but how did that come about? What is the story with that? 
Well, uh, this director, Elizabeth Lucas, uh, again, I got the job by answering the telephone. She called me up and said, Erin, I'm doing a movie and I want you to be in it. And uh, the characters are going to also be the screenwriters of the movie. And we're going to create this thing together. And uh, so I, I loved Elizabeth Lucas and I just said, yes. So we did this and I decided to make my character a sci-fi harpist. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm a huge sci-fi geek, so I figured, why act? No, I, I, I am acting. I'm not like that character in real life, of course, uh, other than being a huge geek. So uh, I, a, a good friend of mine, Chris Orbach, is also a huge, uh, we're both Trekkies. And uh, so we worked on that scene together and, uh, yep, and so it's all real. We, we wrote it, we, we did it, and um, I think that's a, a testament to my love of Trek. Right, so <laughs> everybody goes on to YouTube, they type in Star Trek Blind Date, is that right? Yeah, Star Trek Blind Date, that should work. It's, it's so, so funny, very, very entertaining, and I remember I had to drop you a, a mail once I seen it, so check <laughs> it out. And a good reflection in your acting ability as well. Um, oh, thank you. Despite the fact that you were playing a character that's very close to home, but it's, it's very, very good. <laughs> I'm not that neurotic, but... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right, okay, so what have you got coming up this year then? What are your plans musically, acting-wise? What's going on? Uh, well, I have been um, working on a project I'm very excited about. I finally signed my first official record deal. Congratulations. Uh, with- Thank you. It's with Cleopatra Records, which is based in Los Angeles. And I have been recording 30 of my harp and voice cover songs for them. And I have two and a half left to go. So I am I am almost done. And uh, I, I know I sent you some samples of some uh, that are done, but it's, it's been a big, exciting project. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I do write my own songs. And uh, I originally, that's how they heard me with my, my album, Girl Inventor. Uh, that's, you know, all songs I wrote, my, you know, sci-fi geekdom songs. Um, but... They called me, and at first I thought, oh, okay, they're going to sign me for my originals. And then they told me what they wanted me to do. And at at first, I I had a moment of being disappointed. But then I thought, you know, wait a second. I'm really proud of what I do with my with my harp and voice covers and with my interpretations of all these songs. And I'm such a music fan. And I I just, I go nuts for, you know, some of these songs and artists. And then I got really excited about it. And, you know, and of course I thought, well, hey, Frank Sinatra, I'm the biggest Sinatra fan ever. He didn't, he didn't write songs. He's just there for his interpretation. And so then I got really excited. Now I could not be prouder of, of what I've, what I've done for them in these songs absolute pleasure chatting to you um keep keep all the music coming do more of those those really funny skits on youtube because they're great they keep us all very (laughs) entertained and um very best to luck with everything in the future you're going to be back on this thing at some point no doubt and um (laughs) i wish you all the continued success thank you so much scott what fun (laughs) a fantastic interview there 
with Helen Hill. Absolutely great. Why are you laughing at me? Because that voice is so um, sensual. <laughs> sensual. Sensual. <laughs> A fantastic interview there. You sound like you're trying to sell body oil and fluffy slippers. <laughs> What the fuck? What people have you been talking to that are selling body oil and fluffy slippers that talk like that? Don't butt into my business. It's your weird accent. <clears throat> As I was saying, yeah. a fantastic interview there with Aaron Hill. Once again, very informative listening here on the Talk Music Podcast. That's what we're all about, isn't it? Informative yep. listening. Yep. Yep. That's Nora, right. We have done mm-hmm. over 100 episodes. I don't want to be smug. I don't want to be big-headed. And I don't yeah. want to um, come across like I've got an ego or we've got an ego. too late for that. What? Sorry, what? <laughs> Over 100 fucking episodes. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, having achieved nothing in my life, I can at yeah. least say, thanks for agreeing, I can at least say, that we've recorded over a hundred audio. We've got over a hundred audio recordings of you and I talking shit. That is my yeah. legacy. There's certain people in this world that have landed on the moon. There's certain people that have come up with cures that has just has changed the, the face of the world. There's certain people that have created art form that have influenced the generation that will live on forever. We've got a hundred recordings of us talking shit. So as far as I'm concerned, we're up there with anybody. Yep. That I being agree. said. For more than half a century, NASA and its predecessor, NACA, N-E-C-A, <laughs> designed, built, and tested 56 different aircrafts in the X-Plane program. Now, what I'm talking about here, Nora, is mm-hmm. NASA's future plans. The X-Planes will be leaner and greener. Do you know anything about the X-Planes? They are made by... Uh, who? The NASA boys. Yeah. Uh, I'm not actually, you know what? I think I'm getting confused with something else. I thought I was hearing something about Tesla building some rockets or something, or I'm not sure what's going on. I, um, I'm very ill-informed. Can you just, can you tell me? Well, the bigger picture, right? Bigger picture in this whole scenario is, as we said earlier, NASA, the next big goal, I think is is Mars, right? That's the, that's where the money's at, right? That's what everybody wants to see. We want to see a little bit of, we, we need another Neil Armstrong moment, so to speak, right? So the main thing is getting, um, because they are looking, uh, we're looking at, uh, I don't know the, the, the kind of terms for this, you're a lot better than that, but we're, we're looking at the ability to walk on Mars. That's what you and I are hoping for. We want a podcast on Mars, right? But just looking at I don't really, but okay. Why not? Because I think, um, well, first off, Mars doesn't seem that appealing to me. I don't oh. really like the desert. I mean, I like I like rainforests and beaches, and I mean, like I'm not I'm a green I like green and blue. I'm not really a brown. I don't really like You're you know off the Mars for the color. Well, it's just the environment. It doesn't seem like it's all that fun. And also, as Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of my heroes, has said so many times, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's so excited to start you know this new planet and settle human life and start over and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, if we're going to put the time and the energy into doing that, why can't we put the time and the energy into just saving Earth, for fuck's sake? That's an interesting point, right? Okay, let's let's take this one further, right? Yeah. We call NASA call a meeting. Mm-hmm. And they sit around the table and they say, listen, we need a different point of view. Everybody here 
has worked for us for a long time. We need a little bit. We need somebody. We need. We need to think outside the box. We fresh we, eyes. Yep. Fresh eyes. Fresh ears. Fresh face. Fresh eyes and, and and fresh ears. We need to bring in somebody else. We need an outsider. There's only one person with the job. Norajermain.com forward slash music. Right. Let's get yeah. Nora in. Let's get her in, in this meeting. Let's get pen and paper and let's get inside the brain of Nora Germain. Right. So we're sitting. So so everybody agrees. They sit around. Nora's Nora's brought in. You're brought in. We sit down. So I'll I'll start off the meeting. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Hi everybody gathered here today. Uh, talking about future plans. Obviously the next goal is Mars. Uh, we've conquered the moon. We've we're, we're destroying the Earth. Uh, let's have a look at Mars. It's not the most ideal color for everybody sitting at this table, but at the same time, it's still a goal nonetheless. But my question is this. Are are we are we are we along the right lines here? Is this where we want to go? Is this are we is is our goals good? Is our tensions good? So I just want to get the opinion, just gut feeling everybody around the table, and I'm going to start off with a special guest today, uh, Nora Germain. Nora, um, can I just get your thoughts on NASA? Where we what what, what goals should we set ourselves in the future? Where should we be ideally, Nora? Well, you, first you off, the problem with Mars is not the color; it's the environment. I've said that before. And also, um, it's going to cost an absolutely obscene amount of money to colonize Mars. And I don't really understand why we would want to go there. I mean, exploring the, our solar system and exploring our galaxy is a great idea. And I think it can, uh, it can teach us a whole lot about the cosmos. And I think it's extremely necessary for humanity to find a possible future home. But I also believe that it's very important that we look at our home planet, which is perfect in every fucking way, and gee whiz, we're already here, and see how we can fix it um, instead of trying to pour all this money into going other places. Important, yes, but we can um, do better on planet Earth, and so I think that we should focus equally on finding other homes as repairing the one we already have. It's kind of like when you go shopping, you know? You go shopping, you see a pair of shoes you like, they're kind of expensive, you're not sure if you really like them, maybe I'll get some get, get these shoes. And then you think about what kind of shoes you have in your, uh, in your closet, and you say, well, you know what? I actually have some shoes that are kind of like this, and you know what? I already have them, so I can save all that money and then not buy these shoes, and I can go home, and I can figure out how to use the shoes I already have to look hot. Thank you. I'm sure all means at NASA are just like that. So, Nora, that's, a, that's an interesting point nonetheless, because at the end of the day, we're always looking elsewhere, but you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Well, let me tell you, okay, we are, I know that there are some religious people in the world, you know. Praise the Lord! Right. And that's fine, but I think what a lot of people fail to realize is that planet Earth already is like paradise. The whole Eden thing, it's right in front of us. There's no other place that we know in the galaxy or, you know, in the uh, in the universe. We haven't found a, pl a planet that's like this, that has everything that we need, that has these beautiful oceans and wonderful wildlife and coral reefs, rainforests and free sunlight. And someday... As Michelle Thaler, a NASA scientist, explained uh, in one of her videos, 
someday the fuel that is the the um the fuel for the stars for ones like our sun that pour down free sunlight and make life possible the fuel will someday burn out and the universe is going to go dark someday forever unless i'm not sure how but how that would possibly not happen but you know there's a finite source of fuel and you know these stars are burning on these gases it's not going to last forever so right now we live on this beautiful planet of blue and green and we have food and we have all these things and we have each other and we're really screwing it up and we're trying to solve it by going elsewhere but what we don't realize is that we've got everything that we could ever possibly want here and we're already here and so i think while we're trying to find another place why don't we just realize how lucky we are to be here because the earth is so rare i mean like there's not another one ever so far that's really rare nora germain everybody no i mean really we only live this one-dimensional existence we're born and we die on planet earth at least so far right unless you're an astronaut and you blew up somewhere in space god rest your soul so praise the law okay so you know, we live this one-dimensional existence. We live in things like traffic jams, and we have ATM machines and divorce papers, and there's all this stuff flying around. But what we don't really realize is like how small we are in this unbelievably huge universe and how rare it is to even have a planet Earth. And the fact that you're on it right now is is just it's astounding. And I think a lot of people sort of throw it away because they get caught in the daily life of, Oh, I have to return these pants, and oh, the pickles are not the kind that I ordered. And you're right, and though. My, She's so right. And my drink is way too salty. And fuck this guy at work. And we don't think about just how really, really quite amazing it is that we're here at all. You know? She's totally right. And listen, Nora's just not not just a brilliant musician. She is a thinker, and she's also an author. And I'll desperate honestly, the more Nora chats about all this shit, the more I think we all need to we all need to to read her book, which will be out very soon. You can keep checking norajermain.com for more details. Big thanks to Nora for appearing on the podcast. And I must get to this email actually. Hold on a cotton picking. Oh yeah, yeah, things. sure. Yeah. Hold on a second here, everybody. That was great stuff, yep. Nora, right? But listen, Thank you. I've got an email from Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Now Daniel says, Love the podcast, Scott and Nora. You guys are great. Um, and he just says, can you just get Nora to play a Beatles song? Yeah. No, Hell know, yeah. I know, love the Beatles. We don't know what one it's going to be, but Nora will just tell you. Are you going to announce it or are you just going to play it? No, I'm just going to go for it. So this is for you, Daniel. You ask and you, you receive. Thanks, Daniel, for the compliment. Okay. If you want me to play a request for you next week, just email Scott and uh, we'll Tell him my email address. Oh, music at gmail.com. Boom shakalak. Praise the Lord. Oh,
Okay, sorry, I hit my bow. I'm in my closet right now, and I hit my bow on my sock drawer. Um, sorry about that little thingy, Daniel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope that didn't ruin the experience. I'm sure it didn't, Daniel. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Nora. And I just Sometimes like to... playing the violin is a high risk job. Okay, go ahead. I just like to now Nora just played that there and she made an announcement on the one hundredth episode that she would be available on this podcast for any requests and just to email them in. And she made that announcement off her own back because she's extremely creative and just came up with that. And now it's a part of the show. So let me make one announcement, a massive announcement that Nora doesn't even know about, that Nora's going to get involved in. And hopefully she will agree to be involved in this because this is very exciting. You don't know this. And this is my business. Please don't make me put on that horrible frog costume. I hate that thing and it really chafes in the toes. Okay. Here's plan B then. <laughs> this summer, ladies and gentlemen, we, when I say we, there, without me, there is no we. Nora Germaine and I are going to be filming at least three video versions of the podcast. And within that, we will cover th about three or perhaps four, probably three, two or three different episodes. And we will cover the music of a classical composer. I will put forward questions to Nora and she will talk about the different composers and she will play excerpts talking about their style, talking about their compositional techniques and so on and so forth. Two or three very entertaining episodes and we are going to call this Talk Classical Music. Okay, I have to go because I have to practice 23 hours a day until we do this, so. Does this sound good? Are we in? Are you in? Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, you couldn't pick some fucking jazz composers? Okay, that's okay. No, we're, that's... it can be talk classical. We'll, I tell you what, let's do one talk classical music. Let's do one talk jazz music. And let's do one talk whatever the fuck else music. Okay, good. We're now I only have them. to practice 22 hours a right, day. Right, so that's we'll good. do two or three. That, I, it was, I thought of this the other day, so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it in Los Angeles. And we're going to do great. it this year. And we're going to do it in three different destinations. I sounds just thought great. of that, right? That's yeah, a, that's a that is a blockbuster announcement. Tell your friends. CNN have probably already tweeted about this. It's going viral, right? That's what we're going to do this summer. Watch this space. It's going to be on YouTube, and they're all going to go viral. And it's uh, going to be me and Nora and whatever else, right? Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to Nora and her closet and the sock drawer. Thanks to her violin. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Ern. Thanks to Daniel for emailing. And keep the emails coming in. SKWMusic at gmail.com. Big thanks to Ron North, the legendary producer. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>